Hello and welcome to the Barcast. It's me, your host, Nick Bark, coming to you on a Sunday evening. I wanted to broach a subject I've been trying to think about broaching for a while, uh, which is Buddhism, or as Buddhist practitioners call it, Buddhism, but Bud, Buddhism, I've been trying to like pay really close attention to the exact sound um, that people make. It's like when I used to call Nietzsche, Nietzsche, but then I started calling him Nietzsche. Uh, I think I mentioned in the last barcast, pedagogy versus pedagogy. And now we have Buddhism, but called by its followers, Buddhism, Bud- Buddhism, it's like a shorter U and a softer D, Buddhism. <clears throat> I haven't mastered it yet. Uh, there's lots of things I haven't mastered about Buddhism. I would describe myself as not even a beginner, but sort of a um, a person with interests. And I, I haven't really figured out a good way to talk about those interests. Hmm. I guess there are two reasons for that that I can think of. One is I don't want to create more noise in the world. I don't want to have anyone listen to my barcast thinking that it would be a good source for like, Buddhist thinking or anything like that. It's hard enough to find good resources out there today. We don't need more amateurs cluttering up the internet. I can't even recommend good sources because I'm still looking for them, but uh, I would recommend Unfettered Mind, which is a podcast done by Ken McLeod. I would recommend deconstructing yourself. Mm. There might be one or two other podcasts that I listen to right now um, around Buddhism. So, so one reason I'm kind of hesitant to talk about this stuff is because uh, I don't want to be confused with or, or, seem like I'm presenting myself as any kind of authority or any, not just an authority, but anyone with anything useful for others. But, uh, I have done stuff like this in the past and it has been useful for me specifically when I was learning how to code back in the day, I maintained a code diary that I published on Quora. It was fun. I, I would post sort of my struggles with spinning up an environment or a particular programming challenge I was facing. And it was a sort of accountability structure. People also seemed to enjoy it. Some people even wanted to help. And so there's a little bit of precedent for this kind of public uh, stumbling. The other reason I've 
struggled to talk about Buddhism on the barcast so far is probably the more significant reason. And that is uh, something like a fear of jinxing the progress or the, the good vibes that I've experienced so far. And I, I don't know, maybe that'll sound insane to you, but I guess I'm a fairly superstitious person. Uh, and my flavor of superstition or one of the flavors of my superstition is not to really speak about things when they're going well for a risk of them not going well anymore. And hmm, I wouldn't say that Buddhism has like itself changed my life <clears throat> dramatically, but I guess I would say that I have experienced a lot of change in the last year. It's December. It's like reflection time. And yeah, I do think I've changed a lot this year. And I had a desire to change this year. And at some point this year, I did make sort of this explicit intention to properly explore Buddhism. I even tweeted it. I, I tried to find this tweet, but I, maybe I deleted the tweet. But it was something like, hey, like, does anyone know anything about Buddhism? Thinking about, you know, learning more. One person, I remember one person tweeted, I think it was Lauren. Maybe she retweeted it, and I really appreciated that. Didn't go anywhere, but the uh, <clears throat> the intention was there. And so now to be coming on the barcast and saying, oh, this is what I've been thinking about. Mm, what are my fears? That I, I probably the biggest fear is just that, that uh, the habit will fall off or that my, my interest will just sort of disappear. That I'll, I'll sour myself on it. Like that talking about it somehow poisons it. I think that's, that's what this kind of jinxing means to me because it's not like, it's not like I'm a practitioner or even that I meditate regularly or anything like that, or, or even that I'm going to talk about Buddhism in any interesting or meaningful way in this episode. I also, as you know, as Barcast listeners know, this episode, like all episodes, isn't really um, trying to be useful for other people. So I don't have any, I don't have any worry about this bar cast, like not succeeding. This is, this is essentially an audio diary. Um, it's just more that by talking about it, I'll ruin it for me. But here I am talking about it and, and I'm not going to talk about Buddhism as Buddhism. Uh, but I think I, I wanted to talk about the ways in which I've seen Buddhism be presented to beginners such as myself or novices, people who don't basically that what would the onboarding flow looks like? Because I think the onboarding flow is very interesting and at risk of oversimplifying it. I think I've identified three ways Buddhism is, is marketed or advertised or um, the way people are onboarded into it. And I wanted to break those down 
<clears throat> a little bit and explore them. I'll just say the three ways now so that um, if none of this is interesting, you'll be able to stop right here. The three presentations of Buddhism that I've seen are um, Buddhism as hygiene, Buddhism as truth, and Buddhism as faith. And um, I'll try to give some examples and talk about what each of those things means to me. Let's start with Buddhism as hygiene. I really like this word hygiene. I was talking to a coworker of mine and I used the word hygiene in a different context than she sort of like uh, made kind of an ew face. Um, hygiene is such an interesting word. Does it evoke some sort of revulsion for you? Maybe you're thinking about like, um, hmm, st stinkiness or uh, um, untamed body hair. I don't know. I always think about um, dental care, brushing your teeth, morning ablutions. Mm, the word, the word hygiene in this context and, and thinking about Buddhism as hygiene is actually for me really directly linked back to Nietzsche who, who's my OG introducer of Buddhism. Um, I, I, I don't know if he's widely thought of as someone who's connected to Buddhist or could almost be called like sort of a bizarro Buddhist, a Western Buddhist. I think it's like a pretty legit reading of his philosophy. I, I doing a little bit of research. There are some books about, you know, his, uh, how his philosophy squares with Buddhism, but he, he explicitly mentions Buddhism in one of his books. It's Echi Homo, which I really don't, I, I discourage you from reading. Like if you're, if you're, if you've never read Nietzsche and you're like, Oh, Oh, actually, homo, I'll check it out. Please don't check it out. Instead, check out, I don't know, any of the other books. I really like, like Thus Spake Zarathustra, but that's a very unpopular choice. So I don't know, Beyond Good and Evil, maybe. Anyway, in Echi Homo, he praises Buddhism and is like, let's not call it a religion. It's more like hygiene. Um, and let's just use that as a jumping off point instead of worrying about what he meant by it. How would you define hygiene? It's really interesting. I, hygiene seems to be sort of a mix of health practice plus like ritual or even like status practice um, that I suppose like promotes not just health, but your position or your status in the species or in society. What do I mean? So of course, like brushing your teeth is hygienic. And to some extent it's backed up by science. You certainly want to get the plaque out, but a lot of it is ritual whitening your teeth. Hmm or even creating that fresh feeling in your mouth with the mint. 
none of that is really linked to health. And the same could be said of most hygienic rituals, deodorant, um, cologne, trimming body hair. So what, what unites all this? I don't know. It's, it's, it's like setting yourself up for success in your daily life. And that's the way that Buddhism, I think is probably most commonly presented right now in the Bay area and probably the U S overall. And it's totally blown up. It's, it's super cool. There's, um, several mindfulness apps and businesses, Calm, Headspace. I use an app called Oak. Many, many amateur iOS developers make a meditation app. It's sort of like the new thermometer app. It's like the Hello World app. Um, and And mindfulness sort of generic mindfulness is championed for executives or, or sort of high achievers taking 10 minutes to meditate. It's, you know, it, it should be part of your practice, just like brushing your teeth. And it's, it's probably even more beneficial. So simply meditating once or twice, you'll, you'll get the, you'll get the benefits. I mean, you'll, you'll see right away that it's working. Just like if you buy Selsun Blue, and and rub it through your hair you know that that tingling sensation means that it's working so buddhism as hygiene here buddhism is almost never called buddhism it's it's mindfulness um and then maybe the experience will sort of at some point uh introduce you to some more Buddhist stuff, or maybe the, the app or the experience will be very happy to sort of let you sit in the, the mindfulness zone and not really go beyond just meditating for X minutes a day. But it might be hard for you to uh, resist thinking like, deeper about this hygiene question and what meditation is doing and what mindfulness is doing. And that, that gets to the second category, Buddhism as truth. Um, sort of taken from, I think his name is Robert Wright. He has a book out called why Buddhism is true. And I, I haven't read it, so I can't recommend it, but I did listen to part of a podcast that he did with uh, Sam Harris uh, which I, I don't I don't really recommend that podcast or Sam Harris in general. Not not to say you shouldn't listen to him, but I just I just don't want you to think that I'm someone who listens to Sam Harris. I don't want to just like I just I don't want to get into it. But if you take the the hygiene analogy or the toothbrush toothbrush analogy. When you're brushing your teeth, you're you're brushing away plaque to make your gums and teeth healthy. When you're meditating, what are you brushing away to make you more sort of um, 
calm or peaceful during the day. You maybe feel like you're seeing more clearly what's going on. The the Buddhism as truth path is saying you are, you are seeing more clearly. In fact, the plaque that you're brushing away is delusion. Excuse me, I'm drinking. Oh man, you'll never drink. I, I just I just realized I'm drinking. I'm drinking the that mushroom coffee, and I just I feel like such a shithead right now. Doing a podcast, talking about Buddhism, drinking this fucking mushroom coffee, referencing Sam Harris. I, I just want you to know that this that's not who I am. But this is a pretty big claim that what mindfulness does is remove delusion in fact, the claim of Buddhism is something like mm, through attention and all this other stuff, we we not only remove delusion, but we remove suffering. That suffering is delusion. Um, um, and uh, see the world more clearly. And the Robert Wright stuff backs up this somewhat audacious claim with evolutionary psychology and modern neuroscience. And you probably have heard the, the argument before. I'm not really going to do it justice. But it goes something like, we obviously did not evolve as humans to see the world clearly. We evolved to survive and thrive and in fact, the um, the very things that help and helped us survive and thrive are the very same things that prevent us from seeing the world clearly. And so, meditation and mindfulness and Buddhist practice and whatever you know, prayer. I don't, I don't know, but through through these kinds of practices we can unprogram or remove delusion, um, essentially keep our mental faculties, but remove the um, sort of the blinders um, that we've, we've been conditioned to, to have on. So, so Buddhism isn't merely useful. It isn't merely hygienic. It isn't merely cleaning up. Uh, that cleaning up process um, is cleaning up delusion. Um, that cleaning up process allows us to see more clearly. Uh, allows us to see the truth. So, so Buddhism is not uh, itself anything. Um, it's not necessarily putting forward positive claims. It, it is a practice like hygiene, but um, this practice gives you access to truth and truths. And so these two marketing techniques could attract different kinds of people, right? So the the person who who responds positively to the hygienic track 
might be someone who's stressed out or who finds themselves losing their temper quite a bit. They maybe are considering medication. Maybe they've been fired or been reprimanded at their job. Um, maybe they're losing friendships or relationships. And here comes someone saying, look, I've got, I've got something for you that with just 10 minutes a day, all that stuff is going to go away and you're going to um, find yourself having better relationships, enjoying work more, sleeping better, being more creative, whatever. Uh, sure. Yeah, I'm interested. That's Buddhism as hygiene. Buddhism as truth uh, might attract the scientist, the the philosopher, the person who's on the quest, the person who's seeking. This person probably knows all of those cognitive biases or heuristics, has that Wikipedia page bookmarked, is quick to identify availability bias or confirmation bias, um, real fun at parties. Mm -hmm. But, you know, this person has really just been employing their mental faculties to see the truth. They... Um, you know, for instance, the heuristics thing, they have, they have that stashed in their brain somewhere. And then they're sort of like constantly checking conversation or claims against this database. And sometimes it fires a hit and then they say, oh, that's, that's availability bias. Gotcha. And this person might be really drawn to Buddhism um, because it's a path toward truth. And then through meditating, they might find that they might find that there are like different ways to access truth and it might feel very refreshing um, because it's nothing like reading Wikipedia. Um, and even if the day-to-day -day doesn't seem to be doing much for them, um, they're bought in um, on, on the idea that you're removing delusion because maybe they'll have one or two instances where they'll realize how delusional they're being about something that they think they're seeing the truth perfectly clearly and they're not, they'll catch themselves doing that and they'll say, oh shit, hmm, maybe there's, maybe there's a bunch of these. Um, and then the last category is almost the verboten category, at least in what I've seen, which is Buddhism as faith. Because I think Buddhism has smartly done a really good job that at HQ at Buddhism HQ there, they had a powwow and they're like, look, this, this religion thing is not, not going up and to the right. So let's downplay the whole religion thing and really crank up the mindfulness, lowercase m, we're all Buddha, you know, and let's, let's, let's hide the books about the weird stuff. But I have to kind of admit that Buddhism as faith has been the marketing tactic that appeals to me most. And, and I mean, it's, it's, a, it's kind of just a riff on Buddhism as truth. Um, because you've, you've got to, you've got to believe that Buddhism is a way of removing delusion, of revealing truth. But 
not only that, but that that truth is like fucking amazing. That if all we do is remove delusion and see clearly like an infinite kingdom of happiness or con at least contempt contentment awaits us. Because all of the suffering we experience in life is a product of that delusion. Or conversely, there is no suffering in truth. So that's kind of powerful. And I don't know what to call that other than faith or religion, because we don't really have anyone coming back from that promised land with like photos or videos. We don't have a little society of Buddhists um, saying, hey, come over here. The, the water is great. Or, or if we do, we don't pay any attention to them and we think that they're nutcases. I actually don't, I don't know, like if, if in like Nepal somewhere that's happening, I have, I have no idea. I don't even know if anyone in history has ever experienced it. Like, I guess the Buddha maybe got there. I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't know what the number of people who, I don't know the number of people Buddhist HQ claim got there. So it's pretty much faith. And it's not a given at all, because given how many shitty things happen in the world, it's probably just as easy, if not easier, to claim that if you see the world as it really is, um, you see horror or pain or infinite suffering. This isn't just you can you can have this belief with humankind and without humankind, and what I mean is With humankind, um, you could point to, you know, our killing each other or killing the planet and say that, yeah, this isn't, this is the truth of humans. This is not so great. Um, but without humans too, it's not like animals live in this paradise. Um, or, or, or even babies, right? I mean, sort of non-delusional or allegedly non-delusional beings. I don't, I don't know if their lives are that great. Um, so, so there's, there's definitely faith involved and the faith is a little bit mystical or, or I guess I should just say that I don't, I don't totally understand it because I think there's like maybe at least three ways to imagine this world. So one way I would call like the sunglasses mode, which is we we've got on these sunglasses that make us see the world more dark than it is all we would have to do is is take off these sunglasses to see the world as it really is this is like the opposite of they live all we have to do is take off our sunglasses and then we'll just appreciate the world the world as it is um but yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure if that one resonates with me completely in part because I think the world as it is, uh, there, it's got its problems. It's got its suffering, um, among non-humans. 
Mm. There's the other mode, which is something like our minds or our, our beings are like these really impressive jet engines. So, I mean, we have evolved to have these just awesome big old V8. I don't know anything about cars let's, or jets like like the Fast and Furious car engine with the Nas and all this stuff. But there's just a lot of gunk in the engine. <coughs> Excuse me. And if we remove this gunk, then our engines will hum along beautifully and we'll be able to sort of fulfill our intended functions as um, human beings. Um, and I think that, that for me feels a little bit more compelling because it does celebrate the specialness of humans or, or locate, um, sort of the goodness in, in us as opposed to the world around us. The world around us is more like raw material for us to transform. And then the, the third mode, which is probably the true mode or probably the mode that Buddhism HQ would endorse, but it just doesn't resonate with me because I don't understand it is like, there is no distinction between humans and world. In fact, uh, what you're describing is just sort of two pieces of a whole that are constantly um, not just working together, but transforming each other, that the world shapes humans and that humans shape the world. And really the two things you're describing are not even uh, actual entities um, or discrete categories. Which like, yeah, cool, but, um, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know what to do with that. And I, I think that this is, I'm sure a total misreading of the word, but in one of these podcasts, they mentioned the word upaya, um, which is sort of like a convenient, um, a convenience or a, a sort of a hack, um, for people who don't understand don't actually understand Buddhism to like kind of get on their way to enlightenment. And and I don't think that what I just described here of Buddhism as hygiene or Buddhism as truth or Buddhism as faith, I don't really think that constitutes upaya. I read the Wikipedia article and like, I think upaya is more like those koans. Uh, I say koan, but someone else I heard say cone and I really respect this person, but I think it's koan you know, where like you, I, I, I break your finger and then I say, lift your finger and you get enlightened. I think those are kind of the, the classic upaya, sort of these weird, I don't know how it worked, but it worked moments. Um, but anyway, I'll just close with upaya because I thought it was interesting that Buddhism itself has acknowledged, um, the utility in sort of hacks or heuristics to accelerate, um, one's own progress. Okay, we'll close it there. See you next time.